man how are you <laughs> yeah good good how are you long time uh yeah no kidding dude the last time we were talking i was having to give you like a pump-up speech because we were talking about if we're going to keep going on with this and two yeah, weeks exactly. later you're in the world tour <laughs> yeah things change a lot yeah nice yeah man so okay well right off the bat how did this happen like seriously when we were talking it was like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And then two weeks later, you're in the world tour. Yeah. Yeah, basically, it happened also so fast. It was ah, was a bit of a tough situation. I think I had a really good season. Oh, we rode together in Croatia. You remember? Asking for gel, middle in the race. Yeah, of course. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then, yeah. Um, I had quite a good season till then. And... Also, they got like real quick uh, an offer from the team, from a from like a pro country team, but they didn't keep their promises, and then they built out like two months later. So this was when I spoke to you. Then I basically nothing, and I don't know. Then I just started writing writing some some emails to some teams, not this one. And this one I had already a bit of contact with. I just spoke to Matt uh, Matt White, Matthew White. Yeah, we call him Whitey in Luxembourg, and I thought like, yeah, third stage, and I was quite good in GC. It was real high level. And I thought, yeah, should I just step step to him and ask like straight to the bed, like, do you have a place for me, or should I just be a pussy and don't ask it? And then I was like, ah, just ask it. And then he was like, ah, sure. Um, yeah, it depends on the sponsor who's gonna come and. Uh, but anyway, I will let you know. And then I got an email if I would send this my training pics and like uh, like some extra info, etc. And then one week later, he called me like, uh, "Oh, you get a you get a contract. You <laughs> you're gonna write for our team." So, dude, <laughs> happened quick, huh? Yeah, this is like the happy happiest day of your life. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. And also, I was a bit uh, cautious because of this. Uh, two-year contract uh, that got off from this pro Conti team. Yeah. Then I was really like, ah, come on, man. Uh, yeah, you just, once it was signed, then I was happy, you know, but before that, I was a bit like uh, insecure also and uh, yeah, a bit doubtful, of course. So when did the idea, so what happened with the pro Conti team? When did that offer happen? Yeah, like um, the end of July, I think, uh, no. Yeah, half halfway of July or the end of July, I was gonna going to live there. Let's say it was a Spanish team. <laughs> okay, sure. But I was going to live there and um, yeah, like for free house, uh, contract looked good, some opportunities and for two years. And they just waited and waited with the contract. And I thought like, yeah, maybe it's because of uh, the Vuelta that they were really busy. So I was really respectful and uh, patience with them but then um, when I was writing the first stage actually in Luxembourg like two more than two months later they said like ah oh, we cannot offer you a contract anymore we are really sorry without oh. a reason or anything and then then my like my dream or like not dream but then it collapsed a bit and I think maybe one day later I spoke to you or something and um, also this was uh, two days before, I had this stupid incident with uh, the European Championship that I got like in a selection, like as a reserve in the for the as for the pros, 
like for the European Championship is quite a big thing for for Dutchy. Like yeah, of course. You no, know, you know which. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Pause for a sec. Wait. So they told you this. So like, of course, you don't want to say anything to them because like this is like your new boss. So you you don't want to be like yeah. pushing them like, hey, give me the frigging contract. I want this like ironclad. So you're trying to be nice, and then they just pull it up. That's horrible, man. So this happens right before Tour of Luxembourg, right? Yeah. And then yeah, when and was right before. The European, was the European Championship was like um, four days before. So let's let's get back a little bit back in the past. So four days before this email or three days before, I was I took my flight to Italy to ride the European Championship for at the pros as a Dutchie, which is a real big thing, instead of Van Baarle. And he was real happy for me. And I got uh, off the plane in Italy. I opened my app for the for my result of the PCR test and I was positive. I was like, this is not possible because I had already three tests done or something. But of course I said it right away. So I couldn't affect or influence nobody or like make somebody sick if I had it. And then I had to stay like in quarantine for like a few days in a hotel, like at the airport all alone. I did every day, two or three tests all the time negative and then I think after five or six tests, I could go home. And then one day later, I drove immediately to, to the Luxembourg. Which Wait, was so you like, missed Europeans though because of this? Yeah, I miss, like, missed of this. Like uh, UCI wanted me to start or it was okay. The Dutch Federation, for them it was okay. Um, only for like one Italian race doctor. He said like, he had like to cut it or make a decision. And he said like, you cannot start. So there was one guy uh, responsible of this um because i was false positive also um was uh i did this pci test at a, a place in the netherlands at that moment it was it was for free and you read already some stories or like some bad reviews that they like were a bit uh a bit strange with the results like they swapped sometimes a positive for a negative one really so like somebody somebody real rich could go like buy them a bit more and then could buy could go like uh, <laughs> could go on holiday, like even if they had it, you know, just not to take the risk. But anyway, then I got finally got back after this hell, and then I think I literally one day later I rode to Luxembourg, had to do another test or two even, and then if those two were again negative, which were, then but I could ride brain Luxembourg. damage from them like poking you in the head. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and then I finally got into racing again, or like finally, but then I finally could do like uh, Luxembourg. And then I got this email after first stage. So I was like, it was raining, was 200k. I just finished in a group of 30 or 35, was the last 3k. It was, it was proper hard. And then I got this <laughs> yeah, email. Sure. I was, man, man, oh. <laughs> when does it get ahead? yeah jesus dude but, now we're here so yeah well for sure now we're here and then so two days later after the third stage you just went up and talked to whitey yeah and did you have any con contact with him before that i yeah only this like you know pierrot or, or yeah, yeah, of course from yeah. leopard and uh in one time he said that in the czech tour um that same year he said that he asked um Yes, like oh, he's a real good rider you should talk to him one time but of course it should come from a rider if it's like if you're a bit older you know so then 
yeah, Piero said like, eh, and did he contact you already? I said, no, yeah, no, no. So then I thought like, ah, it's also my responsibility now to show some cojones and uh, just step to him. I don't know. I thought like might be might be a good opportunity. Yeah. Man, good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, yeah. So this when was Tour of Luxembourg again? Hmm. Uh, beginning of September or something. I think something like this. No, or late, later late? maybe. I thought we did it, it earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah. When did... you did it, I think was in May. Yeah, but they switched okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you talked to Whitey then, and then how long after did you get an email from him saying you're getting a contract? Um. Yeah, it was quite late. Huh? <laughs> then I also had to say I was I had also some contact with other teams, but they were never that good. Um, so at the end, it no other world would have worked. No, it would have worked out only um, yeah on a on a lower level. Okay. Pro Conti, but um, it was late. It was properly. I waited for. Also, I let the other teams wait then a bit because I thought like yeah. You know, this game, they play the game hard sometimes, yeah. some teams, mm-hmm. like the example I said to you. So thought they can also wait a bit. Yeah, end of October or something. Yeah, something Whoa. like this. So had you already yeah. taken your off season then? Like, had you already I taken was, some time off the bike? I was going to, like, literally, I think I was two days in the off season. And then one week later, I went with my nephew to uh, Canarias uh, Islands. Yeah. So you did have an off season, a week. Yeah, yeah. No, no, just... I had like I had three weeks or something. Okay, okay. Or three and a half. Yeah, yeah. Well, because the worst is like when you have to take your off season, but you don't have a contract signed for the next year yet. Yeah, so you're that like was stressing worse. the whole time. You're trying to figure out like, yeah. man, okay, I got to get a contract signed for it. Like, I'm not really resting right now. I'm just stressed. Yeah. Oh, man. I even, when I was on holiday, I still got phone calls indeed, like, uh, need to fill in this or you need to like phone call, you know, it was, but it, then I knew it was already certain. So let's say the first week or the off season, but then I was just at home. It was quite stressful. And then when I was on holiday, it was yeah, it was good. It was a uh, was a nice uh, nice week off then. Yeah, cool. but yeah, indeed, yeah, yeah. Jeez. So how okay? So how is it? How's it going so far? Yeah, good. Um, like team is really chill, and um, yeah, it's quite a cliche. I don't know if it's a cliche, but. With my uh, my teammates, uh, they are nice and we have good connection. The t- the team um, is like really honest, which as Dutchy I, I also quite like. Just direct and honest. As uh, I think it's also may- maybe an Aussie thing or something. And um, yeah, December training camp was good. Then I met already a bit of the team. Um, you guys just did in it January. In Toronto, right? No, um, was in Cambrils. It's close to. Uh, Barcelona, ah, close. It's like one hour of Barcelona. It was quite cold, to be honest. Okay. Um, then I went to Dania uh, in January, but then we were only with six or five, which one of them was Yatesy. So it was yeah. kind of cool to train with like six guys and uh, meet the uh, meet the leader a bit. Yeah, meet the, uh, the rest of like, yeah, the rest of the Corona or like uh, at. Yeah, was ill or not feeling well. So instead of like 29 or 28 riders, we have only with six guys. Yeah. <laughs> you have more staff. Was also quite, yeah, except yeah, we had we had like 12, 12 staff or like something like this <laughs> and six riders. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
cool man and yeah like, for yourself like how are you feeling as far as like is everything going well for you like in the races and the um, training and everything like that so i mean it's yeah, only March. no yeah yeah good question though i've till let's say i did saudi tour as first race this was the first race of the season uh beginning of february i think then we won two stages with uh, Dylan Groenewegen. Yeah. This was real good. It was a real good hotel. Like, I think a room of $1,200 a night or something. So it was <laughs> real resort, you know. It was some, some team slept in a container or like a half camper kind of thing, you know. Like, it was real poor. And we slept, because we had a sponsor, we slept in a real good resort. It was <laughs> like a real good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we went off then. And... Yeah, everything was going well until I got like a text uh, two hours after after I was back home or like um, back in the Netherlands and I was almost home and I saw this message popping up on my uh, car play and then I saw like uh, um, from Luca Mesgetz, I just got positive for Corona. He and was or you were? No, he was. Like okay. I, I just got back. I didn't feel well and just to be curious. Just to be curious, I did a test, he said then in this message, and I got Corona, so you better also check. And then Lawson Craddock immediately also. And then I was like, ah, I'm still uh, negative, you know, so it's all good. But then I felt quite shitty the day after, so I did a test, and then I knew already, like, yeah, I have it also. And then I think all, the whole team, except from Dylan Groenewegen had Corona, and also the whole peloton, except from a few a few individuals but i think out of the 120 riders 100 had like covid so then i was yeah I, I didn't expect to be this sick from it but i was one and a half week quite of out of the running and also the team which was really good but they took some precautions with uh, like protocol that you if everything if you were negative again and everything was good then you had like to do um, some heart scans and everything. So it was finally good. And then I got like a, like a text, like uh, you do opening weekend. Um, so Newsblad and Kuhne Brussel Kuhne. I was like, oh, I only trained like five or six days. I know the level, but I said, of course, yeah, I do it. So I did those races. I finished them, but more as like a, a domestic and a helper couldn't, couldn't be. I didn't feel like really good and also with my road knowledge there in belgium i expected a, a bit more to help to stay like for a longer influence for the team so i was quite disappointed but then the day after uh i got fever again and uh, a bit sick and then i had like bronchitis or bronchitis how do you call it like uh, yeah. yeah exactly um i wrote a few days with it without knowing that i had something but I had like this blood taste in my mouth and I only was coughing up like really big, big pieces of thick slime. It was real nasty. And then I went to the doctor and he said like, yeah, you have bronchitis. You have to take like antibiotics. So this was a week again, like one week off with not much cycling. And then uh, I missed Strade Bianchi of that and Tireno Adriatico, which was quite sad. Um, but then I got better and I think i could train like one and a half or two weeks uh, one and a half week and then i started restarted one and a half week ago in uh sempre alfredi and copia Bartoli, 
which was quite high level for point one races because you had Ineos, Quickstop, uh, Jumbo Visma, Van der Poel. Yeah, it looked pretty easy but on TV. Yeah, <laughs> but every day, every day went better and and better, and uh, yeah, also now on training, it feels really good and recovery is good. So now I go Monday to uh, tour of Basque. And, oh uh, man, you do Bath tour Basque country. Yeah, exactly. Which is real hard, they say. One of the yeah, hardest weeks in the the hardest race the years, in the world. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I am looking forward. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. Awesome. So now it's going well. Yeah. Man, did like I'm just curious. Did you feel like this winter, like training this winter? Do you do you just have like another 50 watts of just motivation? Just like you finally got your world tour dream. Like you're finally there. Like I'm here. Yeah. Is it just like so much easier to train? Like you just want to do so much more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In the beginning, yes. Also, um, I have to say also then sometimes I can be a bit uh, maybe a bit insecure. Or like th- that I overthink too much, you know. So then I I had to say when I first got the corona and with the parts of the bronchitis, it was already less. With, but with the COVID situation, then I I didn't really, like I, I, I didn't really like enjoy it at that moment, you know. Then I thought like I should enjoy more. I'm just a pro, you know. It's like my dream came true and everybody has like setbacks you you can also know that and uh, then i was like ah stop being like uh like a we like a little baby and just just enjoy it and and then i went finally back to racing and all training it went better and then also yeah what you say it's just nice and sometimes that they on the bike path in the netherlands that they pass you on the other side you know and that they look one time back with the neck it's always nice to see that's cool eh? <laughs> oh, that's finally cool. that yeah, guy that's cool. yeah yeah <laughs> dude yeah, that's, that's nice. amazing like it must just feel so good to like wear that team kit all the time yeah. like you know when you get yeah, when you're on, cool. like, yeah. a conti team that no one knows and like the weather sucks and you like you have that one really nice rain jacket that's not team sponsored and you're like oh i don't care I- i'm gonna wear it i want to be warm <laughs> as long as no one takes photos of me i'm okay now you're like at the point where like nope i'd, I'd rather even if the team kit is crappy i'd rather be freezing cold because i earned this kit i'm wearing this <laughs> yeah yeah it is like this yeah exactly <laughs> and everyone's yeah, making man. sure it's like Okay, he's got the team kit. He's got the team bike. He's not fat. Okay, he's probably a real pro. He's not some fan. Yeah, no, it's true. And I also have to say, you get also motivation that um, in Catalonia when Matthews and uh, uh, Caden Groves won immediately, mm-hmm. and also after the savage states of uh, Yatesy and uh, and Nice, yeah, then you also get some like they look extra, you know, because then they start noticing your team kit. That makes it also quite nice to. Then train and get note, get noticed. You know, I'm not like attention. The guy who needs a lot of attention, but it's it's oh, man, nice it's what cool. you say. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. It's cool. That's what yeah, you've worked for cool. your whole life. How many times you like yeah. scraping gravel out of your legs in Normandy? Like it's it's what you work for <laughs> forever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> man, like what's what has been like surprise? Like obviously, like the level not not the level the support you get at like the conti level versus the world tour level like going from like a training camp at the continental level to the world tour level like what are some of the new things that you've got like cool stuff like have you done like aero testing or different uh working with different coaches or like what's kind of like the new stuff that you've learned from being with like Um, suddenly in such a bigger team yeah i i think uh there are a lot of um 
certain people who take care of certain things, which is quite relaxed. Um, I think you can also uh, admire that or like uh, confirm that. But I think at, Le at Leopard for a Conti team, it's it's a real high, like quite high level for a Conti team already. Uh, with like the staff or like mechanics, you know, or with uh, material that we have, like all the all the things we needed. But now, of course, you have uh, coaches, and all these coaches have. I have one coach from the team, but there are like five or six, and they all have like meetings together. And then you have like I think nine or eight DSs. They all have meetings together, and they give you like feedback every time after training or after. Not every time, but after a race, what you did good and what you didn't do good. And also what's real nice is even if sometimes the hotel buffet is real, real good, but now I go to Basque country and then there is like one or two chefs or something of the team and they just say what you need to eat. And there is like this nutritionist and she like, you can eat whatever you want, of course, but she say like, uh, she makes like a race nutrition plan or like uh, what you better can eat before and after the race. Um, yeah, those things are real, real good. And there's like this slight percentages um, that helps you, you know, and also not like in a strange way, but I have, uh, there are, I think five, uh, there are five team doctors and I've just one that's that like uh, is my doctor. And when I had the bronchitis or when I had this COVID, I was in with the with the COVID. I was mm. the heart protocol. I don't like it because I couldn't train for like one and a half week. Um, like I couldn't go over a certain heart rate. So in the beginning, I was like, "Ah, come on, doc! I don't feel anything anymore. I can I can train hard." But then afterwards, you read the stories um, of some riders who had like proper heart problems, and also some other athletes. So then I was really thankful that. Uh, I had this guidance of like a like a good genuine sports team doctor who who guides you with it, you know. Because if you if I was if I got it and I was still at the Conti team, or like I figured it out myself without the doctor, then I would just didn't take any rest and I would just train just hard as you know. You take like one day or two days like an easy ride and then. You just do the view two marks or whatever you, you think of, you know. But at the end, in the long run, that that wouldn't have been that great, you know. So I think those things, like all the small things together, make it like a bigger piece that that you think like, ah, this is this can make me take me up another another notch, like an extra notch to yeah, yeah, sure. grow in my development. Yeah, so that's nice. Cool. So did you have a coach last year when you were with Leopard? Yeah, I had. Yeah, yeah. And now you have a different coach I, from the team. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I got coached for one and a half or two years by Paul Martins, uh, old Jumbo uh, ex-pro rider from Jumbo Visma. Okay. He just retired last year uh, at the Giro. He retired. Okay. And it was more like a, like a cooperation together. So he coached me, and like mental influence, I gained a like lot mentoring. by him. Yeah, exactly. And he learned from me because he wanted to grow in into a coach trainer, which he is now, but like experienced guy like me, um, which does didn't need everyday like attention, but like every week we had some contact and could also figure out if he was busy in the Giro, what to train, you know. 
Um, so he could also learn from me. So it was more this kind of cooperation. It was kind of free. And um, yeah, then yeah, the team offered like five or six coaches. Then I said also to my old coach that it would make a lot of uh, sense to start working with a coach from the team because he knows your program. He knows what you've been up to, what the team has been up to. So I said, this is better. And now I work with Andrew Schmidt. Uh, a South African uh, uh, guy and he's living in Switzerland I think he coaches also some females and I think only one other uh, guy so yeah no it's, it's good and uh, I have a good uh, good connection with him which I think is really important <laughs> yeah yeah so sure. good, does, uh, good does he do anything different like is like has your tra training changed all? like has he got you doing anything different of course, every coach has their like uh, special training rights, you know, that they they love to do. Um, like my, for example, Paul, um, he really liked to do the 4020s, um, and but then in a shuttle shuttle form. So like he like he likes like some 4020s and then some like. Uh, three minutes hard, one minute off, one minute, one minute, you know, or like some, uh, just an example. Uh, Wait, what? I have no idea what you just said tonight. Yeah, it's just like random, like a random, there was a random training. Like the 40 uh, 20s is like, so like, if you don't, <laughs> so it's like for 10 minutes or whatever you do, 40 seconds hard, yeah, 20 exactly. seconds easy. Yeah. He liked and then, this. And then we add up like in the training, sometimes we add up, he called it shuttling, shuttling. So it was like three minutes few to max pace, one minute down, and then every time like one minute up, one minute easy, one minute few to max, and then for a longer time for twenty minutes, whatever. This was a training he li really liked and I also liked, okay. but now I don't do so much now. I, but for example with uh, Andrew, I do a lot of strength efforts, and also in the winter especially, I did some three times 20 minutes then it was like five minutes a strength uh, like tempo pace three three thirty watts or something and then one minute high cadence like which i also really like like they just accelerate like really high cadence to i don't know 110 so when you do the five minutes then, part it's like low cadence watts. so it's like yeah, low exactly. cadence, high cadence okay yeah yeah exactly so this so i both like those training right or like uh effort but yeah, they, they switch them a bit, you know. Uh, yeah, every trainer has their own uh, unique way yeah, of no, training. Of course. But in, in the general sense, I think it's the same. And also, because I said immediately that I liked the cooperation I had with Paul in the way that I had a lot to say in the training. So, of course, if he says, like, today was shit weather outside, if he says you go four hours and I have enough clothes to dress, to dress me, I go four hours. But if I tomorrow don't feel good and there is like five hours and it's snowing and i don't feel good already then i could also say like um i go on swift and i do it a bit i ease it a bit down for example you know or maybe opposite if i had like three hours and i want to do four hours with some efforts i just say like i think this could be better and then he gives his honest opinion i think this worked the best because i noticed this when i yeah, a few years ago in the past with some other trainers, then if I always follow, follow, follow all the training rides, then you get frustrated, but you get frustrated by your trainer because he says what you have to do. 
and now it's uh, like a, like a cooperation together. I see it like this. So I have also influence in today's training or tomorrow's. And then if it's shit, the training, then it's, I can only be pissed about myself or all myself. And that's, I think a good, like good thought to, to keep, you know? Yeah, for sure. Man, have, yeah. have you ever tried, like, what's the craziest thing you've ever tried in training to get like faster? Like I remember when we, we were roommates in Antalya and I got you doing the cold showers for a while. <laughs> like what's, I made what's... I do it every day. <laughs> really? Still do it every day. Yeah. Really? Cool. Of course, I learned a lot about you, Jack. From <laughs> yeah, you. you learned a lot about you me. You should know. And I've everybody um, who asks about the cold showers, I have all the they never they never can argue with me because I have all the the benefits. You know, you said to me. Uh, well, you just you, repeat what I told you. Where it is good for for the inflammation, uh, the the uh, what is it <laughs> the right the, the ride or die you know like you're like uh, you cannot ex what's what's this thing called um, the fly, fight or flight fight yeah or your flight. adrenals yeah yeah you so your adrenals it's like and also what which I said also a lot to a lot of guys which also a lot of guys tried it then uh, after my pet dog like you did to me um i also said like you've got it's it sounds really pathetic when you say it but if you think about it it is true you're like you accomplished already something yeah i mean exactly. i also i also started uh doing like some meditation for myself so i start with i wake up 10 minutes of meditation uh i go i go to the toilet for huge number two and then i take a cold shower and then i done already two <laughs> i done already two things so one thing for myself the meditation to like look over the day and the day before and the day i had and i did the cold shower so i did two things for myself and it was only eight o'clock you know so no i did i do every day i never skipped i only skipped it when um i crashed uh, one and a half year ago one time on my at my ribs then I wasn't allowed to uh, to really move a lot my muscles or like tense. And when you are on a cold shower, your muscles sometimes you you That's flex right. them, you know, or yeah, like yeah. so. Then I was like, I wouldn't take the risk. But then I felt also really shit for one and a half week that I didn't do them. Hell so yeah, bud! I'm yeah, stoked. So I do them. Yeah. <laughs> so this awesome. I do. But <laughs> other crazy things. Let me think. Um, Ah, not really something I could think of. Most of the time, it's the trainers' idea. Um, the long, trainers have the bad ideas. They're the crazy. The idiots. trainers have the bad ideas. I think they you tell can you, also you, like go training this. with a backpack full of rocks or something. Nah, <laughs> nah, not really. But it's like sometimes stupid high efforts that you think like uh, that you know already before. Like mm, you're just looking at this like, hi, oh, this is not normal. Mm. Huh? We can't do this. This is gonna be hard. I live. Yeah, this is not normal. It's <laughs> I live on the flat. Also, do they notice? Like, I don't have a climb of an hour. Uh, those <laughs> things, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you need the backpack full of rocks, so it takes an hour to get up the garbage dump climb that you guys have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes I get motivation when I see your uh, your training your training uh, rides. Me? Especially when, uh, yeah, some savage ones, like in Canada or whatever, you know, or the stories you told me. No, but sometimes if I, 
even probably you did already this week that you did like a, a eight hour ride with uh, four times uh, one hour 400 watts or something you know <laughs> you're that kind of guy yeah oh but man i'm just here for everyone not. else's entertainment <laughs> <laughs> oh that's really nice of you to say man i appreciate that <laughs> yeah Huh. Have you ever tried like what's um have you ever tried like altitude? Have you ever gone and done an altitude camp? Um I did once, but this was only to prepare for Tour of Utah. So it was a false, I say like uh wasn't like uh like a good test. Of course oh, it was you did... the, I did three weeks of altitude with Jumbo Visma then. In twenty eighteen. You also wrote that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And then I was three days at home and I went immediately to Utah. So basically it was a six altitude week camp only to prepare for Utah. It was three weeks. On, Wait, sorry, on I Europe. interrupted you. You got to explain this again. You did, when yes. did you do the altitude camp? When I got a traineeship at uh, Jimbo Visma yeah. in uh, Austria, Kutai it's called. You also know. Oh that yeah, probably. of course, Kutai. Yeah. So it's like 2000 meters. Then I got back uh, three days at home. You were there and for what, I two went, weeks? Uh, no, three days at home. I was three weeks in Kuitai, three weeks. Okay. Then three days at home, and then I flew immediately to Utah. Uh, and it was also on 2,000 meters or something. Okay. And then it's also Colorado then, which even had a TT, a climb TT of like, what was it? That was the, 3, 000, that is the hardest I've ever gone. Because it yeah, started at like 2,500 meters. And finished yeah. at like 3,000 meters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I was seeing black lines on the side of my eyes by the time we finished. I was yeah. exploding. This was the worst thing I ever. I feel sorry about that, though. Also, I was... Um, this is, this sounds really strange, maybe, because I'm not like a legend in, the, in time trails. But till this day, I never got uh, like uh, passed in a TT by nobody. When I'm 26 already. I did a lot of TT, so it's quite impressive, right? Yeah, for sure. This is a record. And then I was in 2018. I think this record might and, get broken uh, this year, bud. Yeah, I think the same. <laughs> so I, t- I tap it off, but I think I think you're right. But anyways, um, then I had uh, Peter Stadina behind me, which at that year wrote a real good race. And in Utah, I think he was third or fourth or something. He had like quite a good GC. And he was one minute behind me in the TT of, what was it? Half an hour or something? Yeah, something like I was that. real afraid that my record got broken. And that was three <laughs> years ago. Anyway, <laughs> then uh, I wrote, I wrote Fugaz on the flat. I thought like, oh, this first part was a bit fast flat, you remember? I thought like, if he can't see me there, then maybe he gets broken on the climb. He's like, I can see this guy. I don't know him and I cannot see him. So <laughs> I was over the finish. I saw like you, like black stars, everything. And I see in the results, I was only, only, but I was 30 or whatever, 28. I don't know. And then I was looking at Stettina and I saw that he was one second uh, slower than me on the TT. So he got like one minute and one second behind. I, yeah, probably like a real bad day. But I was like, yeah, <laughs> this was a victory for me. You know? yeah, so I was like... <laughs> like suffering so much for nothing <laughs> i was worrying for nothing this is like what i meant you know sometimes you worry so no much but it pushes you to go harder and then but man this was like seriously this yeah, was the... exactly so it's also a good thing yeah <laughs> but this was seriously the worst time trial in but, the world because um of... i was supposed to back on your altitude camp yeah 
Yeah. Okay. But so then after that, did you like the, the, the reason I asked this question is because I got to do an altitude camp for the first time last year and I came down and it was like the most amazing effect ever for me. Like I couldn't believe it. I was like, I couldn't feel my legs and I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like now I get it why everybody does it. So I was just like, did you feel anything after you did that? Like when you came back down from the Netherlands? Uh, no. Yeah, then I was I was quite good for a few weeks, but they also say that it eases off because I was racing on altitude. So then you uh, put it in uh, words. Yeah, you 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 fuck your system a bit, so the effect is less apparently. Um, and after that, I never did altitude camp anymore. And I was supposed to go um, to after Saudi tour, even before I got sick. But um, we're talking then, this year now. Uh, yeah, this year. But then somebody else, Matthews, got sick, and some coaches who were on altitude, and then they said like, "Ah, it's better you cannot, you don't come, because otherwise maybe you get uh, sick." And then one day later, I get this news with the what I said already, this story that I got COVID anyway. So then I was supposed to go to Shenna, Nevada. And now I think, yeah, I do Basque. I do the Ardennes Classics, still Liège. I do Romandie or Asturias. And then I have a few weeks, nothing. Maybe then they sell me, send me to an altitude camp or I go by myself. So then we talk in the period of May to race for Switzerland or uh, Dauphiné. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe in the summer or something. Sure. But also, like, I really do believe it's it benefits you and... Like, mate, if I had the money, I would go live in Andorra or whatever, you know. Uh, sure. Andorra. Apparently, you you need to bring like, uh, like, how do you say this in cool street language? Fifty racks to get in uh, Andorra. So you need to get like fifty thousand. All the money, yeah. We pay, like heard a this story. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah. that's that's quite <laughs> a lot of money for a first year pro. Yeah. Or for a county rider. So yeah, it's not possible. That's not possible for this moment. So. But I really understand why 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 they're gonna live there, and it's not for nothing. Indeed, I think you what you say is like, uh, I think I can also benefit from it. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. so wait, hold on. For people that don't know, and I I've only heard this like from other guys, the way you get into Andorra, the way it's been explained to me is you have to pay like fifty thousand dollars to get your residency there, and then when yeah. you leave Andorra, you get the fifty thousand dollars back, but you have yeah. to be able to put down fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. It's like you you rent a car and you have to pay like down down payment, down payment okay. euros, and you get it back. And but I thought that was I thought that was <laughs> only for I didn't think that applied to you because you're a European citizen. I thought that was only I thought that's why like yeah, all the North no, Americans went there because then we don't have to get no. a visa. No, it does. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. So it does also apply to European. Same goes for Monaco apparently, but then it's five hundred thousand. Yeah, Monaco's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Crazy. So, yeah, are yeah. you moving to Girona? You told I asked you just I needed a new address yeah. to send you Christmas cards next year. But <laughs> so, is it yeah. Girona now? You're moving there? I but I do think Christmas would be at home. But um, yeah, I'm really looking for apartments uh, to to move to Girona. I think uh, it can be a next step um for my development uh it's also a bit of out of the comfort zone i'm still uh in my bedroom here with my parents and i'm 26 now and yeah also there like a guy like you really inspires me then just go live on his own like i'm 
independent enough for it, you know, but you just, what you do, you just need to step out of the comfort zone to, in order to gain new experience, maybe also gain more development as a person or like maybe for me as a writer, because this is the biggest benefit I think it's gonna give me is that I now always train on the flat. And of course you have wind, but I come home like today, I come home with 34 speed average and there was a lot of wind, you know, and you go every day, you write the same power or like you do your efforts, but it's already harder. And you put like four or five hours, the same strain and the same stress on your body. Well, if you're on the climb, you like, it's really easy to write above 300 watts. And then you have down, so then you go downhill, you, it eases off a bit. It's a whole other stimulus, you know, and especially for a rider like, like me. And yeah, I think we are also a bit of the same riders then. Um, yeah, you benefit really from like the hills and the climbs. And if you never do that, then I go like last week, I go to Italy. And the first time I see a climb is, is, um, the right before and then the guys were laughing i was on the climb and i did some uh, 40 20s and then nobody else did like some efforts and uh, they said like are oh, you're not tired from the classic the day before i said yeah but i wanted to put my uh legs on tension and i like the climb so i just wanted i to... haven't seen one of these climbs in a while yeah i haven't seen it for a while so <laughs> i was hyped and then they were all laughing and also understanding it you know they were like ah oh, yeah, yeah we understand yeah, yeah Man, well, that's awesome. Good for you. And but, like, but first need to find anything or something. But no, I'm really a proper looking, and uh, apparently it's quite it's quite hard to find something. But also, I think you need to take the time for it. So I I have some few options, but I'm also I want I want the dishwasher washing machine. But I will yeah. come. I want to come with my car. It's like 14 hour drive. So yeah. I will. I also want like a parking spot. Yeah. And like this needs to add up and then it also needs to look like not like like it's 90-30 or 90-20. Yeah. So yeah, you have to you have to look a bit, but I also I also do think everybody does this, you know. Um if yeah. you if you go straight for the first thing you see, then it's also a bit strange, you know. If yeah. you don't do it like you do challenges. Well, I think you're doing it really well, man. Like the fact that like you're going to Girona, one, where there's like other people you can actually socialize with and like it's yeah. good cycling. Two, you're bringing your car, which makes life a bajillion times easier when you're just dead from training, just like doing errands and stuff. Do you have, and like, even if you don't have anybody to live with, like a roommate or a girlfriend or anything like that at the time, at least you're around other people. Like I know yeah, for exactly. me, like when I first came here, it was like, because I just like, when I was telling you about like the cold showers and like achieve something it was because like i was just like so bummed the whole year it's like i was doing nothing right all the time so it's like okay at least the cold shower is the one thing i'm gonna do right today but like yeah i think it's great for you that like and like the training i've never been there but everybody always talks about how awesome it is there and at least you have good guys yeah, to train nice. with so that'll be yeah cool. exactly and um there's like some mechanics even and some swannies from the team uh who live there like and I'm a guy from the village. I live in a in a little village in the Netherlands of 2,000 people, and to live in Girona, like this city, is maybe also then a big thing. But I was also, I'm like not anti-social, you know. And it's what you say. It's good to live in Girona actually because there was also 
they're also in some nice places like half an hour or an hour apart from it but then you can never have this social interaction which is sometimes necessary because i am indeed alone i don't have a girlfriend i'm gonna live in a solo apartment so yeah of course it can get lonely when you're used to like the little noise at home and well, just the like parents, your family there like someone to you know, say good morning exactly. and good night to yeah for sure exactly so yeah so yeah what you say i think yeah i think is right and uh yeah well yeah i, mean, I think, I think you're doing it right which is uh, yeah thanks mate yeah. Girona is going to be a lot better than the little village I was in when we were teammates. <laughs> yeah, fuck, fuck. Oh, God. I can't imagine. There's yeah. more tractors and cows than people. <laughs> <laughs> I also always had to laugh about the story because you said that it was a zillion times easier when I, if I bring my car. Then oh, I'm yeah. always laughing, but not like a bit of a pity laugh for you because I also felt sorry then but then, <laughs> that you mentioned it with your uh, bike in the supermarket. <laughs> Oh, yeah, dude, to but... get something and that they were so so annoyed or like frustrated but that's i think more uh, a country thing that's not a for example in the netherlands i would do that also if i stop for a snicker and a cola yeah then i also take my bike yeah. you want to have it safe you know so yep. i understand but like I here's the story down for you yeah i'd like to explain yeah of course it's a country thing like in germany they love their rules and like most of my friends are german and austrian at this point but in germany oh my god they're so freaking stressed out about how many freaking rules and systems and meetings they have when it's like we can't just do it you have to have a meeting and a system to do everything and then the problem is it's like because i don't speak german to them it's like you can't explain to them it's like you want to bring your bike inside it's like i don't have a lock for this this is my whole yeah. life this one bike and marcus is going to shoot me if this gets stolen like he's just going to send me yeah. home if this happens <laughs> so like i got to bring my bike inside i'm going to be here for 10 minutes i'll buy some groceries but when you can't communicate to them you're just the guy that doesn't speak their language that's causing a problem yeah. for them and you can't explain this is not a $20 bike this is my whole life please can i leave it here for 10 minutes and like yeah. that's the problem then they're just like who is this idiot like he doesn't even speak german he like he's just causing a problem and then yeah that then it's harder but if i was in canada i could just like sweet talk the person a little bit and be like hey man can you do me a solid like i this is an expensive bike but yeah, yeah exactly you know what i mean yeah we huh. all we all know what it is and i think that's also good that you learned the you learned a bit the language right a bit of oh, dude i you want to hear a funny story actually <laughs> yeah yeah ambition so funny story like <laughs> not to talk about myself too much but like i like i take these online classes and stuff and like the hardest thing for me to do like it'd be easier for you but like that like all yeah. these like weird noises i can't make in german and so like the teacher asked me like it's an online class so there's students all over the place and the teacher asked like everybody oh what did you do last wednesday and so i tried to say last wednesday night i went night skiing with my friends like when i was back in canada but knocked and knocked or something like this yeah, like yeah, one yeah. means night and one means naked and i guess i said last yeah, wednesday yeah, night yeah. i went skiing naked with my friends <laughs> And the teacher's laughing, but all the other students, they thought I meant night skiing. And so they're just like, they didn't laugh. They were like, oh, that sounds cool. And the teacher's like, what the fuck? Like, is this normal in Canada? Do you, you guys go skiing naked all the time? Oh. <laughs> That's, That's funny awful. though. But I get you. Yeah, it's, it's, I can imagine it's, it's really hard. And uh, I speak, I speak also German. But um, you do German and Dutch. German and Dutch are a bit the same uh, language. Like ah, basic, okay. I got it in all school, 
for a longer time. But um, yeah, I understand what you mean, and also with the punctuality. Yeah, is, oh, uh, also I don't uh, care if I sound like like I love I, I love the guy, but to talk about to talk about the funny story, which is with no other country, but with with a German, it is with some Germans, of course, like. Uh, I also wrote with Patrick Haller. Uh, yeah. And he's like super chill. He's like anti, anti-German, like with punctuality, you know. <laughs> but I was with Jan Brokhoff. He's like real, he's like a friend to me. And but every time we ran in the car, I was always on time because I know this they I know Germans want to be on time. Yeah. And I <laughs> I also was like it was 9:30 we we left and it was 9:30 and it just turned into 9:31 and he was already. Hey, one minute too late. What's happening? Eh? Why, uh, why is nobody about the time? Hey, when I was a rider, this is not. Hey, this is not possible. Eh? This is really strange. And I was laughing just in myself because, of course, I didn't want to make fun of him. But I was like, "Come on, this is like one minute. Oh man, <laughs> we have to ride one hour anyway. We are there on time, like always. Yeah. But this is the good example. Yeah. But well, from the, every country, there's something to say for, of course. <laughs> but the funniest thing for me was like my first year when we were teammates is we had like a bunch of different countries and all you guys would take me aside at one point, like from all the different countries and take me aside and be like, hey, Jack, I know you're trying to learn about Europe here. So let me just fill you in on something. And it would say, hey, you know, the, the French, oh, they're special. Or the, the Germans, they're special. Or the Belgians, yeah, they're yeah. like, yeah, everyone says it about the other people. And I'm like, you guys all say the same thing about each other. <laughs> Yeah, it's proper. I understand. And it, maybe it's like because we are like European, then they also have, especially if they are neighbor countries. So I would say stuff. I'm my neighbor country with Belgium and with Germany. So I would say stuff about Belgium and Germany. Yeah. Also, like, like, uh, Bel- like this, this is the common sense. Uh, this is not my opinion, but in general, Dutchies say, like, ah, oh, Belgium. Uh, they make stupid jokes and they are sometimes a bit uh, like uh, stupid, stupid, and um, they talk they talk a bit strange because they talk with an accent. Yeah, and yeah. Germans they're always on time and uh, they are really sometimes a bit stressed out. What you say? But then mm-hmm. th- about Dutchies, they would say Belgians and Germans would say like ah oh, Dutch are really like cheap, and they would ask always to go Dutch like to split or something, you know. And uh, they are really direct and really, uh, they always say what's on the tongue. And that's also not always good. So this is the case. And then uh, Belgium, especially if you are from Wallonie, is, which is a French speaking part of, of Belgium, then they would also say a lot of shit about French. Ah, oh, French is shit and <laughs> this and that. But then at the end, then <laughs> it's all about every country. They have like, you probably... Yeah, no, not probably. It is the same thing with Canada and America. So you should see it like this, I think. So if you were, if I was, you were like a fool, uh, you were a Canadian from America for an writing for an American team, and I came there as a Dutchie, then probably you would say to me, like, I had these Americans, you crazy you cowboys with their guns, yeah, crazy look cowboys. how fat they are. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they eat, and you see McDonald's of 50 places, which is also true. And then about Canada, I would say, uh, I don't know, uh, what, what's what's the word you cannot say? Or like, uh, you always, I don't remember. That we say all the time or that we don't say? No, you say it, but you hey? struggle to... Oh, know, about. Like, 
a boat. A boat, yeah, a boat. No, I say a normal. Then they I would say, say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. Man, going back, like, going back to, like, your career a bit, um, <clears throat> what, who, did you have any, like, mentors or coaches? Like, I guess Paul would be, like, the one that helped you out the most? Or is there anyone else that yeah. comes to mind? Like, who had the most impact on you? Um, like, from you started till now, who do you think had the most impact? So I started from now, um, like in the beginning, for sure, your parents. So yeah, they, of course, like other than that, um, like, yeah, coaches, they support you in the beginning with writing. Then I started writing for Rabobank development team. Yeah. And I had quite a good connection with uh, Grisha Nieman, which is uh, the DS and like one of the big higher DS is now at uh, Jumbo Visma. And I just knew he knew everything or not everything, but he just had like knowledge about it. And I had a good connection with him. So even though I was not writing at Rabobank anymore, I just asked him for advice. And like not every time I followed his advice or exact words, but if I wrote him, if I write him now and I say like, yo, Grisha, I'm doubting a bit about this and this as a first year pro. Uh, what what should I do? Then he came always with like good advice because he was pro for so long. Same yeah. guys for Paul Martins, indeed. So I think those two have, have like quite a lot of a lot of uh, like influence. But also, that's also cliche. But you need to build as a athlete a team around you. You know. So I think it's really important to have your like maybe this gonna change also a bit when I'm going to live in Girona, but you need to have your own ost or like your osteo your masseur at home your physio um like physio coach uh, for the fitness exercises and your trainer and all of those people and then some people who sometimes like were ex-coaches who still have a lot of contact with you all these people you put in a bubble with you together and they give like proper feedback or like they also say when it's shit or when you when you're down, then they are the the, the people. They can also be friends, you know, or ex or like uh, ex teammates or like teammates that can like are there in good and bad times for you and all the rest. But it's really hard, and I still find this hard. All the rest you should not care about. So other people who then only say like uh, like congratulations when you had a good ride or like who try to give you advice like i don't know this is this never has been the case but hypothetically speaking if another physio says to me ah um i saw you doing one exercise and in my opinion you should do it like this and this then i would not listen to it because i have my own physio mm -hmm. and fitness coach so i think this this is good and yeah i think those people uh gives me the most influence yeah is there any like but, specific advice though that you would think of like out of any of like these people that have helped you along the way is there like a specific thing that you think made a massive difference for you that like you're really glad oh. you listened to or something is there anything that stands out yeah then i do have to say that like the mental fundamental aspect that's um the most important and the guy who you need to listen to the most is the guy up here i'm yeah, pointing yeah, sure. to my head yeah <laughs> and th this is like also that's also cliche but it's really true so i do think it's really important like you do or like i do like every now and then some meditation some breathing exercises 
some some ice uh, ice showers or cold showers, um, taking time for yourself, writing things down uh, like you like you do. But I also do this like motivation things or like what you're gonna do, you know, like to do or like the high of the day or the low of the day, whatever. I think it's I think um, and also yeah, Paul pointed really tried it to pointing this out to me, but he said like everything starts with you and it is how you do things and what you listen to and what you keep in your mind or what you don't keep in your mind, which noise you, you take and which noise you don't take and all the things you can think about or like overthink about. I think this made for me like a huge difference. I know I'm just talented enough to make it or to make it at that point, the last years. But then sometimes just needed to step forward just a little bit, you know. And for me, it got really up a notch when I just realized that I got less stress by just trusting and believing in myself and just listening to myself and to my feeling, you know. And uh, for example, already then last year, I could handle for really easy the, the pressure to perform which is also really strange, but then at the Conti team, I don't know, they said every race I rode, I rode well in Istria Spring Trophy, and they said already, I could be a good chance for you. And then, but they said this for three guys, you know, and then I rode good. And then they said, ah, okay, we go today for Jan. And then if you end up fourth in GC, that gives confidence, you know, and then every race we did afterwards, they said, they always had like a plan and they put like pressure, like, like natural, but they put some pressure on me and also the riders in the race because they saw I was performing and they said like, ah, right, come on, uh, today's for you, Jan, and do you need another bottle or like a gel? But this also, you have to handle this, you know? And I I don't think that I always handled it that well. I can remember when I was riding last year under 23, uh, World Championship in Innsbruck, I rode like massive power. I just came back from Utah two weeks later. I was there already a few days before. I know I was in great shape. I did my 20 minute test. I did like some efforts and I could maintain the pace or even higher it up, you know, which is like in a view to max, for example, really hard. If you do like uh, multiple efforts on a hill, for example, I knew like, this is the best shape I've been. And I also had to say that I had quite some shit going on. I was supposed like and Jumbo and Bora, they were interested in me at that moment in 2018. And I thought like I could pick, I could choose, uh, especially in my this shape after the Worlds, it's it's good. And they both called uh, the day before, like actually the night before the race. Jumbo said, uh, uh, Grisha Belt, actually, Grisha Niemann. He said like, uh, they're probably gonna say it two weeks later to you, but I gonna say it already straightforward to you. Uh, you don't get a contract. So I was really like, fuck. And then I got an hour later a call from the management, from my management. And they said like, ah, Bora uh, is deciding after the Worlds with some other guys. Some other guys are also in, uh, maybe oh. interested for your spot. So I got Dude. this. I was I was sleeping with, with my heartbeat, like boom, 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 boom. Oh. I was like, I slept real shit. I... I woke up multiple times and I felt the first climb 
even though the, the power wasn't bad or something, but I felt the first climb already. This is this is probably one of the worst days I have this year. And this is only because of the stress. Yeah. And uh, that was a case, for example, that I would handle completely different these last years, last year, because of all these things I know now. And also maybe it's an experience things, you know, but this, this was a good example then that mental can really change also a lot. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, Hey man, if it makes you feel better, isn't it like, I'm pretty sure. So this was 2018, 2019 was, isn't that the year Wout Van Art joined Jumbo? Yeah, so exactly. I, he, he took your spot. Yeah, but, yeah, well, yeah. Let's say like there this, you yeah. go. So he lost it to him. So he, <laughs> I mean, he's not too bad. No, and uh, also uh, finger guard went then. Yeah, uh, they're, they're okay. Yeah, Jonas finger guard, Mike Tonis, uh, Tony Martin. They're doing fine. Yeah, Utah Sepp fine. was winning that race with one leg, giving high yeah. fives to everybody at the finish. <laughs> he's doing yeah, all right, like, uh, eating some cookies from the yeah. cookie mountain <laughs> and some donuts. <laughs> yeah, and I was in a groupetto like. I was in the group at 25 minutes behind <laughs> eating. Was really hungry, eating a donut like with my breath. Like, why were you eating a donut in the race? <laughs> yeah, they gave it like in the group at you know, the Cookie Mountain is this uh, oh, snow Phil hill, Gaiman. I think. Yeah, 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 I feel gamer, but I think it was like a snow hill or something, <laughs> not snow, snowbird, snowbird. snowbird. Yeah, yeah, snowbird, like this. yeah, snowbird, yeah, snowbird, and uh. Yeah, I hear it's about the famous, infamous uh, climb about the cookies and the donuts. And I really did a good job for Sepp. And I heard already he won. And I still had 20 minutes to go and we ran with time. And all the people, like the Americans, they were really like great fans for like cycling. And they were cheering and like pushing sometimes. And there were guys with pizzas. I was like, mm, pizza I don't <laughs> like in a race. And then I saw some guys with cookies. I was like, hmm, I just cookies i get after the race because we always got like shit like sorry we always got things for subway like yeah. this huge like chocolate cookie and then i saw these donuts i was like man i need to get this donut and then <laughs> it was like oh do you want more i was like no one donut is good is good enough so for me it was donuts and for like my old belgium captain teammate uh Vinals, he took like a beer they were also giving beers. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't, like, I don't like beer so much. So then uh, donut was good. Yeah. That's hilarious. Man, that's great. Man, one last yeah. fun question. Do you do you listen to any other podcasts? Do you listen to like um, the social distance podcast or any of these ones? I I do listen sometimes to podcasts, but I have some ground rules also. Like it's a bit strange. Maybe I'm a bit strange also. I only listen to a podcast if I'm swift. I don't listen when I'm uh, riding because I never listen. I just listen to the nature when I'm riding. So when I go on swift, like tomorrow, I listen podcasts. But then you have to keep up. So you start with your main one, which is yeah. uh, the guy from Lauwenstendam. And uh, oh, like yeah, live yeah. slow, ride fast. Yeah. They should do it in English, though. I think maybe they're going to start with it. or he's maybe hilarious. Try. Yeah, he's <laughs> but that's a real good podcast, but it's Dutch. Yeah. Um, and then every now and then I listen to some non-cycling podcasts like uh, Dividend Talk and uh, like um, some about stocks. So this, okay. but this is just a side hobby. I started two years ago when COVID started two years ago. Um, and I don't know, I came a bit from an economic marketing background and I just like the fact 
fact about stocks that you just could invest in a small piece of a, of a company and could see like progress or like non-progress of your own stock. You, okay. you pay money for it. And yeah, this, this made me also interesting, but do you have any recommendations apart from your own podcast? Of course, <laughs> man, this podcast is only coming back to life. Cause I keep getting messages from my friends that need something to listen to when they go training. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, Oh man, I love podcasts. I just like, no, I, Wait, but I want to know first. So you do you listen to anything when you're out on the road riding? Nothing. 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 Never did. No. How the hell do you do your intervals or anything? And I train with nobody. So <laughs> you, put it, I you just talk to yourself just, all day. Like um, you know the song So Appalled, So Appalled from uh from Kanye West and yeah, uh, yeah. Jay-Z <laughs> yeah. Pusha T. This was the song I had today, like on uh, on, on on repeat in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but then, no earphones, just you're singing along to yourself. Yeah, no, yeah, in my head. It's just <laughs> if you have nothing to listen to, something pops up in your mind. Why do you and do also, this to this yourself? Is, this is like the mental. This is also a mental thing. It's like Paul Martin said this like real funny, but it's true. He said like, there's always a monkey who throws all kinds of things to you in your brain. Like you have this monkey in your brain. And the whole time he's throwing things to you, like he's throwing bananas, he's throwing apples, he's throwing songs, and it's only what you accept, you know. So then I accept, like, ah, today I take a banana, today I take this song. No, but I don't know. It's strange with me. I don't know why I don't do it, but like if if I do it, I'm always in my head, like ah. So I go four hours. One song is three minutes. And then some, I did it only once, like 10 years ago or something. And then I listened to a song. And then two times during the song, I was like, oh, the song is still going on. So this means I only got three <laughs> minutes of training. So this is going to be really long training. So then I stopped doing it. And maybe you just need to find better songs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, but mate, time flies. It's really like you should try it. It's like you start and I don't know, if you're on a village, you just pay attention on the road. I don't think anything at all then at the moment, which is kind of strange. But sometimes you have like really nice interactions with yourself. My brother came with like my little brother, he's also a cyclist, came with like a nice uh, like example, which I also have a lot of the times. But he had like in his mind when he was riding, like, I don't know, he was there was a car passing at a house and he was like, are there more doors or wheels in life? And then he was thinking about this. <laughs> but this is a good question and you can never figure out. Are you there know? more so doors you can think like, or wheels in life? Yeah, you you say me the answer. You don't, I don't I have don't the answer for you. <laughs> I haven't thought about this. I was yeah, listening because to music. there are like, in every house, there are a lot of doors, you know? So also closets, <laughs> but there are also a lot of wheels. Uh, yeah, okay. But I, like I enjoy device. these moments too in the ride. Like, you know, for, you know, I'll turn my music on, then I'll listen to nothing and then I'll listen to podcast. But like, you're doing your intervals or something like I need something loud. I need someone screaming in my ear to get me going. Like, I feel like you're one of these guys that just like has never just doesn't drink coffee and then discovers coffee when they're like 27 years old and be like, wow, I can go a lot faster if I have an espresso in the morning. I think you might be right. And I do think there is, will be a time because like you're going to discover Motley Crue or Rage Against yeah. the Machine and you're going to find all the writers do it. all the writers for my team do it then we write without music of course but as soon as we start an effort uphill on training camp 
they all put the, the I don't have AirPods. AirPods, maybe that's a problem. I only have the wire thing, you know. No, the wire <laughs> no, ones are better, man. They all put the AirPods. They all put the AirPods in and they go. And then I was like, also like, ah, maybe for no, everyone to right now. Yeah. <laughs> you learn from your, your teammates. <laughs> yeah. Have you, okay, wait, sorry. I promise this is the last question then. Have you, like, being around, like, the no big worries. stars on your team, have you learned anything, like, just watching them? Like, just fly on the wall, watching, like, some of the best riders in the world. Is there anything you've, like, learned from just watching them? Or something that surprised yeah. you? Yeah, well, this, what really surprised me and what also really motivates me is that uh, the second last day we were going, first of all, it is about uh, Simon Yates. Yeah, see, and he was really hyped about uh, the last day. Um, we wanted to go six hours with three and a half thousand altitude meters. He made the lap, so the trainer made a lap, and then he said, "Wait a minute, we can add two climbs more." <laughs> so he added two climbs more, and he was already talking about the KOM, about a certain climb, which is really hard to get in Kalpo in Dania because, like Pogacar and everything is, everyone is getting him, you know. But anyways, and then he was really hyped about the ride already. And we went to first climb and he went off. He was gone for like one and a half hours. And then he waited for us on the top. He was gone was for one cold. and a half hours. It was gone for one and a half hours. He just raced up a climb, went on never the flat, again. raced up again, one and a half hours gone. He stopped <laughs> for feeding. He stopped also. It was real cold, but he waited for us. He didn't turn back or anything. He just waited on the top. We went down. Half an hour, he said in the downhill, he said in my wheel, he thought like, ah, oh, this Dutchy, nice tall guy, or the false flat down, he can ride a nice face. And he was gone for another two hours. And he took also uh, you again. somewhere. And he was again for two hours gone. He just full raced, like nobody could follow him I, that day. So he raced basically three and a half or four hours that day out of the six hours. And we had already like 32 average or something. I think he did like a 35 average, like on the three and a half thousand altitude meters all alone. And then I saw him riding um, in Nice, the last stage. And he also went for a solo of 40K. And I was really like, like I was hyped that a guy like him, one of the best riders of the Peloton is doing this in training and also showing that he was like, maybe he was just practicing this this solo on training, you know, yeah. so that every great rider also has like this, this craziest training sometimes, or like just what you have, but what also I have sometimes when I'm on a climb, you just go and, oh, you take another downhill and then, oh, you take another climb. That's so the, the example or the, like this example for me showed that like everybody's a young kid who really enjoys cycling. And also that's, Sometimes you just need to follow your heart on also in training and just like empty the tank and just, just go, go one time, like full gas, you know, and just see how you feel and everything. That was like this I learned. And also what's a real funny story he told me is that he's also like really into materials and he has, he has a twin brother, you know, a what? So a twin brother, Adam Yates. Oh, a twin. Like yeah. Okay. A twin, a twin. Yeah, and sometimes they compare the materials, so they have like uh, they have a new <laughs> bike, and then they see they both go the same climb with the same power, and then because they push the same, they are the same weight and everything, and then they see which one is faster, you know. 
yeah. this also really like I thought like this is really funny and I would do exactly the same just to like the <laughs> the thing with testing and with just trying different things is I like that yeah I think it's good if you if you always stick to the same schedule and you always do the same four-hour loop with the same tempo things on the same bike on the same time of the day then uh, it's not changed a lot you know but if you step out of again that that comfort zone that that can or you think out of the box a bit that that can bring you quite quite far sometimes right yeah yeah for sure but, but like that's so, quite funny yeah but going back to like what i asked you before like yeah on leopard we had a great like that's an amazingly well set up team and then like for a conti team but now you go up to the world tour and you have guys using like they're doing like aero testing on the velodrome all the time you have like these cgm monitors they have like there's just so much stuff going on like have you got to play around with any of this stuff yet like have they like yeah unfortunately like not not yet no but uh i do have to say that like for example already the tt bike um i didn't ask any of them but i have already this this real expensive handlebars you know this custom made i don't even know the brand this is how much knowledge i have about <laughs> tt bikes but you have this like real proper uh tt uh mechanism this is already a nice example and uh yeah but for sure we we were supposed to also do some testing but also due to COVID, a lot of things changed also and a lot of things maybe now during the season or like let's hope a lot of next seasons this will take place but there's also a bit of a different occasion now with with uh, with covid that sure. some things changed yeah but yeah no yeah it's true and also what's funny is um that um that we have so much chefs for example then <laughs> then they talk like uh, uh like also good things of course but one time in the group have like uh we eat quite a, like i had already for the second time this week quinoa or quinoa uh should we maybe ask to the chefs like uh also to have some different uh, dishes and i was like i just go for conti level you know i'm just happy i have <laughs> yeah you used to I race in cantuna <laughs> yeah we are like with tuna we ate like uh haricot like uh green beans with uh dried red chicken and uh, oh. dry rice yeah 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 this is like when when my friends from north america say it's like oh you're so lucky you get to go to france and stay in these beautiful hotels and eat this no. wonderful food it's like are you kidding me have you been to no, france it's a, yeah. when you go to france you to probably turkey. burger king to turkey was nice yeah yeah okay turkey is beautiful yeah they put yes in the yeah. beautiful hotels man <laughs> going back to like when you were saying before i know i've said like last question a million times but i'm just having fun it with doesn't this. matter can, mate Okay. Okay. Well, man, like I, I understand like you being down about like COVID and everything like this, but like, man, think about how lucky you are. Like if that's your setback for the year and it happens in so early in the year, like imagine if you got COVID at the end of May and that, and like you had to like take two and a half weeks off then and it just like screws up your whole summer. Like, I yeah. think that's like, you're, you're lucky that if like, if you're going to have a setback, it happens early in the year. And then I think you should talk, have you talked to Alex like Krieger? Recently. Uh, recent i texted him but he didn't reply but sometimes he replies a bit later man i yeah. think you should talk to him like he's such a great example of a guy like getting a one-year world tour contract like when he's a, a lot older like not quitting on it keeps going with it and then i think the year he got his contract is the year he got hit by a car and like was really bad do you remember this 
Yeah, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. I think it was like his first year, and like that's got to be the worst thing in the world. Like he was, I think yeah. he had like two broken arms and like a concussion, and like he was really yeah. banged up after yeah. that. And I think that was his first year, and then he killed it that first year, and like now he's doing amazing in the world tour. Like, man, yeah, he'd be exactly. a good guy to ask for advice. Being like, dude, how do I do this? Like, yeah, he'd be a good because guy because it gives it gives some stress. I have to say, but this is only you put it to yourself. You know, it's nobody says like. We're gonna add stress because you only have like one year contract, but you just it's it's a lot easier. Maybe it's also not easy if you're like five year contract or something, but in your head it makes a lot of sense that it is that life is easier if you have like three year contract. Yeah. Only already with like buying something. Like now I have like now I rent something in Girona and I like I invest everything or like everything, but I invest almost everything you 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 get into your career and you hope it pays off, you know? And then you also think like, ah, oh, yeah, it would be shit if you go back half year after that you have to go back and you have, you, you don't get anything. But yeah, these are like what I said, sometimes the overthinking and the doom scenarios everybody uh, has in his head. Yeah, have in his head. So no, we'll be fine. But yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but man, like the way I think about it, at least is like, you have to think about it like this is your dream. Like when you're 50, like you should, I, I think you should be willing to invest a lot into it at that point. Because it's like, if you think about like when you're 50 years old, if you're going to like regret the fact that you didn't spend another $5,000 or whatever it was when you were, when you had your chance for your dream, like what's $5,000 worth the cost Absolutely. of your dream, right? Like yeah. how much would, you, how much is your dream worth to you? Like, would you spend money? And are you going to miss $5,000 or whatever it costs when you're that old? Like, that's the way I think about it, at least. 100%. Yeah. But that's why I also go to Girona. I was also like, yeah, if I look at my, look back in the mirror and of course I do my, all my training and like my coach and also everybody of the team is impressed that I do everything I do in the Netherlands, you know, because yeah. it's so flat and shit weather. But then I also looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, yeah, just should should go you know because you don't want to regret something and mm. at least then i can't i really i do everything also so yeah and then yeah you're right mate so and man even if it doesn't work out like even if it's like if even if you decide to stop cycling whenever you still got to live in Girona for a year and it's still yeah, like a sure it's a great experience yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and this also like i even looked at the apartments for austria but only with the benefits of um yeah because i like to live in the mountains as well mm-hmm. but only of the benefits of a little bit of weather and uh, the fact that that the team is there um like uh, the staff and also riders yeah that makes that adds up to to think about girona for the first place you know sure because i'm not like i'm not a, to be honest i'm not really a sheep so if there are like 200 people living or going to the same place to live, I'd rather go to a different place, not to be sure. different, but it doesn't, it isn't for me, it doesn't make sense that that is the best place ever. You know, it's yeah. for sure. There's an, I don't know, in the South of Spain, there is a better place or whatever, but now it does make sense. And it, it's like a first step. And if you, once you lived abroad, then you can always think about maybe going somewhere else, you know? Sure. Well, you have to like build, I mean, you pick a place where you want to go, but then you have to 
build your friends and your relationships there. Like, that's why, like, I don't think yeah. I'll leave Austria. Like, cause I have more friends yeah, here exactly. than I have anywhere else now. And it's like, it's fun. Yeah. Like it's, it's awesome now. Like it sucked for the first couple of years, but now it's awesome. Man, do you want to hear a funny story? Like when we were talking about yeah. like, going like Monaco and Andorra and stuff like this. So, yeah. <laughs> so like without, I can't give, I don't want to give like very specific names for this because like, it's not really fair to those people. But so last year I got a really cool opportunity to go to a, a camp with like, you'll, you'll know all these people, but like, yeah. I got to go to a world tour camp with like some really big names there and a certain very, very big name at that camp, like one of the best striders of all time starts telling us this story about living in Monaco and about um, like, we asked him like, how do you get your residency in Monaco? And he was saying, it's like, well, okay, first of all, you have to have an insane amount of money because like the cheapest apartment you can rent is like 9,000 euros a month, like just ridiculous for like a one bedroom apartment. But then he's like, well, you need to also have a meeting with the prince and the princess there. And then they approve your residency or not to say, like, if you're allowed to live there, like this sounds like a Disney movie. But then um, so he's telling us this story about another one of his teammates that has like, let's say, a very hot temper and has been like had some problems in the media for like losing his temper in races and stuff like that. Uh -huh. And this teammate was making a lot of money wanted to move to Monaco, got his apartment and everything, and then went to go have the meeting with the prince and the princess or whatever of Monaco, whatever this is. And they said to him, it's like, oh, well, it says in the media here that you're not a very nice person. Like, you're just like, you've had some problems in the media. And so to prove to us that you're a good person, we want you to donate $50,000 to the princess's fund for kids with special needs playing sports or something like this. And rather than doing that, he just like lost his cool and, blah, 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 and starts screaming at them. And they have, fuck off. And so of course they say no. And then, <laughs> so he doesn't get his residency in Monaco. And that's why he now has a place in Innsbruck because for athletes in Austria, the taxes, I think it's only like 15% for professional sports people in Austria. And so now he has oh. an apartment in Innsbruck. <laughs> but the, the person that was telling this story to us was like, man, he is such an idiot. Like this cost him so much more money. He should have just paid the $50,000. And like, yeah. I'm sitting across the table. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is hilarious to me. Like we're talking yeah. about Cantuna and whatnot. And you're talking about $10,000 a month apartments in Monaco. <laughs> I know, but I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I also, there were still, there are still times that if, if I saw his teammates talking to each other, the rolex on that i also think like uh maybe for a few years <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure awesome man yeah. but well it's been great talking to you we can stop recording yeah it was now. really it's really nice catching up cool buddy here i'll stop recording now <laughs>